We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you take your Bibles and turn there. And we're going to look at a subject tonight that should be every preacher's favorite subject, and that is the Word of God. It's our, our textbook for the believer. It's our roadmap for life. It's the primary means by which we're able to know our Creator and our Savior, and it's what God uses to birth us into the family of God. That's really what we're going to look at tonight in the, in the parable of a sower Jesus told how a sower went forth and he sowed seed and some on good ground and some on not so good ground. And that seed that was sown on the good ground was capable of bringing life and bearing fruit. And Jesus, of course, is illustrating the, the fact that the seed that was sown was the word of God and the, the ground was the hearts of the hearers. And my prayer tonight really is that as the seed of the word of God is sown, that it would fall on good hearts, on good soil, on ready soil, on hearts that are prepared and, and willing to listen and, and by faith to apply what God is saying. Would you stand together? We're going to read these three verses together in 1 Peter. And I just ask that you would focus your attention for the next few minutes on what God has to say for us. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful to be able to assemble tonight, and we, our hearts are already encouraged by just seeing one another and these songs, Lord, that remind us of what you've done for us and who you are, and we're just thankful to be here tonight. And, and now we come to this time, Lord, where... <clears throat> We take your word and, and we read it and we study it and we really just meditate on it. And, and Lord, we pray that you would teach us from your word and help us to um, really take it in, that the cares of this world would not, would not choke it out, but that it would take root and bear fruit in our lives. Help us, Lord, by faith to believe what you've said to us tonight and to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Being born again... Verse 23 says, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I have a lot of books on my shelf at home. Many of you have books on your shelf, all different types of books, some thin books and some thick, and some are more riveting than others. And a lot of the books on my shelf I've read and I can look at them and I say that one really had a positive influence on my life. You might, you might say that about a book that you've read. That book really changed my life when I read it. But all of those books really pale in comparison to this book, the Word of God. This book has the power to transform lives. This book has the power to resurrect the dead. 
And it's his word that God uses to birth us into his family. Isn't that an incredible thought? Look in verse 23. We just read it. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Contrary to popular cultural opinion, all people are not God's children. The only way to enter God's spiritual family is to have a spiritual birth through faith in Jesus Christ. This is not the only time in the Bible that we read about being born again. The most common, I wanted just to read some of it, so mark your place here because we'll come back and, and, and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 3. John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees, Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was an extremely religious man. You probably know this. He was a Pharisee and a leader among the Jewish people. He knew the law and he taught the law. This tells us that no amount, no, no, no amount of religious training or activity or moral law-keeping can bring us into the family of God. Because Nicodemus had all these things going for him. And yet he knew nothing about being born again. And so Nicodemus asked the question that any one of us would have asked, I think, if we would have been in his position and never heard this term before, being born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again. And so Nicodemus had obvious questions, as we would have. And verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's a logical question, really. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus explained that there were two births necessary for salvation, a water birth and a spirit birth, a physical birth and a spiritual birth, both births necessary for salvation. Verse 9, Nicodemus is still confused. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Verse 14, Jesus gives explanation. And as Moses lifted up his serpent into the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus preached the gospel to Nicodemus to help him understand that he must be born again. And then he explained how this was possible through the sacrifice of himself, of Jesus Christ. Our first birth was a birth of flesh, and our flesh will ultimately perish. That's why Peter, back in our text, if you would turn back to 1 Peter, 
He's contrasting being born again, the second birth, with with, 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 with incorruptible seed. Our first birth was... We, were, we, we, can't, we come from a, a corruptible seed, passed down from our parents, fleshly parents. And, and whatever is born of a seed that is, uh, of this seed, this fleshly seed that was passed down from our parents is, is, is destined to decay and to corrupt. But as Jesus said to Nicodemus, we have to be born again. We have to have a second birth. The first birth is corruptible. All of our flesh is decaying. We had to be born again. Back in verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1, those first three words once again remind us of how powerless we are in this process, being born again. We were born. We didn't birth ourselves into God's family. We didn't, we didn't birth ourselves into his family. We didn't have any more power to birth ourselves into the family of God than we did to birth ourselves into our physical family. God did the work. It's God's work. A seed was planted in us. Not the same seed that was planted in us when we were uh, conceived in our physical birth, because that that, 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 that flesh is going to decay. But this seed, this seed that birthed us into the family of God is an incorruptible seed, one that never passes away, one that never corrupts. You and I were born of sinful parents, and so we have sinful seed that will decay. And end up ultimately in the ground. But the second, the second birth is not the result of human parents. It's not the result of perishable seed. It's not the result of sinful parents that passed down that seed to us. We were born of incorruptible seed by the word of God. This isn't an isolated doctrine. James 1.18 says this. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. We were born, we were begotten into the family of God with the word of truth. John 15, Jesus speaking to his disciples, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. God's word is powerful. It's God's word that he uses to birth us into his family. Not only is it powerful, it's also preserved. God's word is eternal. Twice in these three verses that we just read, Peter emphasizes the preservation of his word. First in verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And then again in verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus had no beginning, and neither did his Word, because he is the Word. And just as Jesus will have no end, just as God will have no end, neither does his Word. It lives forever. Jesus said it like this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Times change, culture changes People change, but God's word never changes because God never changes. It's always the same. It's always relevant. How is that possible that God's word written thousands of years ago can still be relevant to us today? We see the answer in verse number 23. Just at the end, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
His word is alive. It's a living word. It's not a dead book that's sitting on your bookshelf. It's the living word of God. It's different than all of your other books. The greatest documents, the greatest speeches of all time will have to be rewritten, will ultimately be outdated. I'm reading a book right now, and it's a book that was originally written a couple of decades ago, and now I'm reading a new and improved version of it, the expanded edition, because the author has learned some things since the last time that he wrote it. He's found some things maybe that were incorrect. He's changed his mind on some things, or he's added some new things, but we don't have to get an an updated Revelation from God. He doesn't need a revision. What he says still stands true, and it's just as relevant today as it was when it was spoken. It's a living word. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word quick, it means it's alive. It's living. It's relevant. It's life-giving, and it's preserved for all time. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word is preserved. The first birth, which which brought us this flesh, is temporal. No one's going to live forever. The second birth has no end date. We're born by God's word with eternal seed. And and Peter contrasts that eternal uh, 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 seed with our own corruptible selves in verse 24. And, and here he's, he's actually quoting from uh, Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. New Testament preachers often would quote from them and almost verbatim in verse 24 of our text. He says, for all flesh is as grass. He, he just talked about how we were born again by this incorruptible seed. And, and here he says, for all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. Notice that first phrase, all flesh is as grass. All of us, no exceptions. The best and the worst, the brightest and the not so bright, the most beautiful and the most homely, the most talented and the most awkward, all flesh is as grass. Even the best part of man, he said, even the very best part of man is just like the flower. It is beautiful for a time, but it disappears in just the same way that the the plain old grass does. Some of you are are, are more flowers, you're more beautiful, more talented. Maybe maybe you're not like just the the, the plain old grass of the field, but even you, here's the bad news. Even you, your flesh is one day going to rot away in the earth. All flesh is as grass. He's contrasting that with the word of God, which is eternal and endures forever. God's word is is so powerful. God's word is preserved for us. It's eternal. There's no end. And thirdly, God's word is to be preached. Verse 25 now. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Peter is writing about being born again by this eternal seed, by by the word of God. And and this word, he said, is by the gospel, it's preached unto you. That that phrase, the gospel is preached, is found, the, the Greek word is found over 90 times in the New Testament. It's the word from which we get our word evangelize or evangelization. It very simply just means to bring good tidings, 
to, to spread the good news, to announce something good. The good news, of course, that Peter is writing about here is the good news that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that though our sin is great, his grace is even greater. That, that Christ took the wrath that we deserved. We heard about it this morning in, 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 in church this morning, how God took the wrath that, was, that, was, that should have been on each and every one of us, and, and he placed it on his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, and he, he bore the wrath of God on himself so that we don't have to bear it. Amen. This is the gospel that was preached unto you. That he shed his own perfect, sinless blood on the cross to pay a ransom to redeem you out of the slavery that you were in. Slaves to sin, slaves to Satan, that each and every one of us were in. And, and Christ, in his love for the world, shed his perfect blood to pay our ransom. This is the gospel that is preached unto you. This is the good news. This is the good tidings that were preached unto you. 1 Corinthians 1.21 it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. This is one of the reasons that we give such attention to the assembly of the saints on Sundays and on Wednesdays. Because what happens here, what's happening right now happens every time we get together. And that is that the word of God is preached. The seed is sown. The gospel is preached. And it's the living word that God uses to birth men and women into his family. And it's through the seed of his word that this takes place. Turn back to Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 and verse number 13. Familiar verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wonderful, isn't it? Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every single person who calls on the name of the Lord in faith will be saved. So why are many not being saved? I think it's clear from what we just read that one of the primary causes that people are not being saved is because the gospel is not being preached. Because preachers are not being sent. Passages like the one we just read in 1 Peter ought to bring great comfort to those of us that preach. Because it allows even the most timid among us to approach the pulpit with confidence. Because the power is not in our abilities. The power is not in our outlines or our smooth speech. The power is in the word of God. It is God's word. It's by the word of God that we are birthed into the family of God. But it's not just those who stand behind a pulpit and preach to the entire church body like we are doing tonight. Amen. Justin, in his message Wednesday night, reminded us that gospel preaching is not just for those that have a specific 
preaching calling on their life. It's for all people. All believers are to be preachers of the gospel. We're all to proclaim the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Man, woman, boy, girl, all of us ought to be taking the gospel to the world. And so you, even if you may be fearful about talking to someone about the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the, the passage here in 1 Peter chapter 1 ought to bring great confidence to you as well. Because what it's saying is that when you open your Bible to someone and you read your Bible to someone and you explain to them who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you, what he came to do, and how much he loves them. And when you read about all that God has done, even though you and yourself are nothing, you're just a blade of grass that's going to wither away, just a bunch of weeds out in the field. That's what we are. We're nothing. Not too flashy, not much to brag about, not much power. But the rebirth of boys and girls and men and women is not determined by your ability to give a smooth gospel presentation to somebody or to quote the Romans road to somebody without making any mistakes. That, that's not where the power is. It's not in your ability to speak eloquently. We, we, we put too much on ourselves. And, that, and, and, that, and really, it's a, it's a lack of faith on our part whenever we're not willing to witness and it's because we say I'm not good at it or I don't know enough or I can't say enough and it's because we're putting all the confidence on ourselves. I have to say it just right. I have to have the right conversation starters. I have to know what to say. I have to know how to answer their questions. I, 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 I. When in reality the, the, the rebirth process has nothing to do with our abilities. It's in the power of the word of God. It's in the content. It's not in the preacher. It's in the content. It's the word of God that's quick and powerful. God works by his word to give new life to those that are spiritually dead. That's the power of the word of God. Remember Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, the brother of Mary and Martha, in the grave for four days. But his death was short-lived. What was it that brought Lazarus back to life? Was it, was, it, was it a new experimental drug that just came out on the market? Or was it electrical shock that brought his heart back to life again? No, very simply, it was the word of God. It was Jesus who spoke those words, Lazarus, come forth. The word of God brings life. Over and over and over again, we see it in the scriptures where Jesus, by his own words, can bring dead bones back to life. This planet was lifeless completely lifeless until God, by his own word, spoke life into existence. That's the power of God. When the living and abiding word of God is preached, dead sinners come to life. The dead are raised at the voice of Jesus speaking. We ought to come to church with the expectation that a Lazarus would be present and a Lazarus who was dead spiritually would be brought to life. We ought to pray for resurrections in our gatherings. We ought to pray that somebody who was, came in, sat in a seat, but was 
spiritually dead as dead could be would hear the word of God taught and preached and would, would, would receive life, would receive this seed, this incorruptible seed planted within him and he would be brought to new life. We ought to pray throughout the week for opportunities to just, just present God's word to somebody. Amen. Just present God's word to somebody. Just, God, just give me an opportunity today just to speak your word to somebody. Because the word, the power is not in my ability. The power is in the word of God. When we come together, we ought to pray that there will be a Lazarus here. God's word's powerful. God's word is so powerful. God's word is preserved for us, for all eternity. He's the same yesterday, today, and, is forever, and forever, and, and so is his word. And God's word must be preached by his people. God's word must be preached by his people. Perhaps tonight you're in church, but spiritually, there's no life in you. There's no, there's no spiritual heartbeat. You're here breathing. You look, you look fine to, to those of us that can only see your exterior, but, but to the one who can look inside and see your heart, he can see that there's nothing happening there. There's never been life. You've never been, you've never been implanted with this incorruptible seed. Why not tonight? By faith, receive the word. For the rest of us, we have to believe God. We have to believe in the power of his word and, and trust him by faith to be proclaimers of the word of God. That's what is required of us, just to be proclaimers of his word. You don't, you're not supposed to save anybody. You can't save anybody. Amen. We're not trying to get anybody to, to say, I saved five people this week. No, no, all we have to do is preach the word. Preach the word. And that takes faith. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to put away our own inhibitions and our own fears and all the things that hold us back. It takes faith to say, I'm, I may be afraid, but I believe God. I may not think I have the ability to, to speak, but I know God has the power to raise the dead. That takes faith. And then we just sow the seed. And then we just throw it out there. And, we, and, and, and at every opportunity, we, we, we give the word of God, and 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 we just trust God, that, that, that some of that is going to fall on good soil. Well, it's not all going to fall on good soil. Some of it's going to be choked by the cares of the world, and some of it's going to be shallow with no soil, and it's going to, it's going to look good, but then it's going to fall away. But, but some of it, as we sow it, is going to fall on good ground, and it's going to bring forth fruit. Bring forth fruit. That's all that's required of us, that we believe the truth, we share the truth, and we let God do the, the birthing. We can't birth anybody into his family. We can birth ourselves, but God, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his will. Our part is just to preach. Let's pray. God, your word is so powerful. It's an incredible thought that just with a spoken word, that you're able to bring life. You're able to resurrect the dead. God, I pray for those that are here tonight who think they have life, who think they have spiritual life, but there's really nothing going on in there. Lord, I pray that you would reveal it tonight. And you would call out some to come forth out of that grave. Lord, I pray that you would resurrect the dead. 
Those that are here, Lord, that have been deceived, that have deceived themselves, I pray that you would, this, this, this evening, you would remove the blinders from their eyes and they would see their sinful condition, Lord, and you would bring them to salvation. Then I ask God for every single one of us who knows you as our Savior, but we've been living in fear. We've been disobedient to the command to preach the gospel to our neighbors. Lord, tonight we just want to repent before you, ask forgiveness for our lack of faith and for our disobedience, and, and, and we'll just commit fresh to by faith, looking for opportunities and praying for opportunities to, to have conversations with people where we could speak the gospel and speak the truth to them. And Lord, then we just leave in your hands because we know the power is with you. Help us, Lord, be, to be obedient by faith. Just the next few moments.